Hello, lattices and podcasters. Today is going to be a solo session. I'm on the podcast on my own. I don't have a guest. I don't have anyone special to share with you as such. But I do have a very timely and important message. And that's because we're in January 2022. And many people are making New Year's resolutions. They're on new training programs. And they're working towards their goals in this year. And one topic that often comes up and is very popular for coaches and trainers to talk about, and this is all about exercise adherence, and that's aka sticking to the plan. And of course, you can have the best plan in the world, but if you don't stick to it, it really isn't going to work. So this podcast is your your check-in that I would like you to hopefully maybe even come back to a few times through the year, probably more in the January and February period, because everything that I'm going to go through in this podcast is all about setting you up for success in following along with a plan and working towards your goals. I'm going to go through a number of items which get you to the point And if you can tick off all of these or most of these, you're going to be in a much, much stronger position. And when I look at everyone who's good at following plans, those that appear like they're, you know, total monks about their discipline, they always seem to achieve everything. They stick to what they set out to go for at the beginning. They're these things that they tend to do. And they're not always really obvious, but they do work. And I'm going to work through them step by step. There's three main categories that we're looking at. The first is all about fun and keeping that element of fun and joy in your training. I know it sounds a little bit against the grain, but it's key and it's really important. The second is about reality. So your kind of reality checks, how does that fit in with your life, your lifestyles? And the third is about tracking and monitoring progress. So let's start with the keep it fun section. I've got four points here, four key bullet points that I wanna go through. And the first one is about training and working towards your goals with friends. And this is really important because that social aspect, naturally, just by engaging with others, and completing your training means that it becomes naturally more fun. And it doesn't mean that you have to hang side by side with four other people on a hangboard and you're in some kind of hangboard train. It's just that you can hang around at the wall and you can be in the same location as others whilst you're swapping in and out of your sets. It also enables you to be more accountable to others And this is another really important part of sticking to the plan is that when you're socializing and people know that you're doing some kind of training, they'll hold you accountable to those sets and those reps and the intensity. It's subtle, but it really works, especially if you keep consistent with it. The other bit is you have fun banter. You have chat. You say stuff that you like, things that you don't like when you're training. And your friends, if they're good friends, We'll point these things out and it's really good for sticking to the high quality within your sessions. 
And then lastly, on that social aspect is the support that you get from others. You'll talk about what you've got planned, what your goals look like, how it's going, the ups and downs, and your friends are incredibly important to that. So that's point number one. Number two is that I would really recommend that when you go into any new training program, especially if this is the first time that you've done something quite structured, is initially do what you like or do what you're relatively good at. And what I mean by this is don't start out, even though I know you're really psyched, you're really motivated with things that you find really hard and you find a proper grind. Start with things where you can just have a chance of success and a feel-good factor initially. Because getting through that first month on any training program is actually the hardest bit. It's once you get through that, that you're kind of into, I'm not going to say plain sailing, but you're into a much better position. So set off with doing things that you can really get into the groove with and don't make it hard right away because the training program and sticking to it is hard enough. Number three, and this is a cool little one, and I've done this a lot over the years, is try and program in some kind of new skill acquisition into your training plan. And what I mean by that is find a fun way of learning something new within your sessions. Sure, you can be doing you know, power work, strength work, endurance, power endurance, whatever they might be, flexibility, but you can work into it and you can sort of sneak them in and find ways of doing fun, new skill work. So that could be how to do coordination dynos, for example, if you're doing power work. Yes, you might not need, or rather no, you may not need coordination dynos on the project that you're going to do this year, but if it feels fun, and it's adding joy into those sessions because you're walking away from five, six sessions going, wow, I learned something new. This is such a added positive that builds back into that process and that adherence into the training program. And then lastly, point four is start slow. So don't pack in all of the loading straight into the training program right from the get-go. So you do not want to start that first mesocycle, whether that's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, possibly five weeks, if you're an elite level climber, just hammering it straight out the gate, building slow. The DOMS that you're going to get, so that delayed onset muscle soreness is going to be less, especially if you're less conditioned at the beginning of a cycle. And you're also just not going to have to have so much recovery during the, that first mesocycle of you're not pushing it really hard. Again, it's just much easier to stick to the program if you don't give yourself a totally grueling initial block of training right from the outset. It's better to go in easier and complete it and then get into your second block than blow out straight away after the first block because you're just so demoralized and you're aching and you're really hurting every single day of the week for 30 days. So go easy on yourself. Okay. Section two, this is the life realities part. And this is all about making things match up and making life work around the training plan that you're going to do. So first off is convenience. This is 
it's probably not talked about enough, actually, when it comes down to training and what you're doing. And I talk about it every now and again, and I try and have a little, well, I rather have an acronym for this, which is TLC. So on that convenience factor, you have time, location, and conflicts. So when you go for that convenience aspect for your training, make sure that the time fits in to an appropriate block that you actually have available. Don't start picking exercise sets or training plans that take four hours when actually you only ever have one hour blocks of training. Be realistic on that. Next is location. Make sure the location of your training and where those facilities are, whether it's your fingerboard, your 45 degree board or your gym are easy to get to. I would much rather someone have a fingerboard in their kitchen than in their loft or at the end of the garden. You just won't see it as much and you won't be able to get to it as much, even though you could say, well, it's only a minute walk or 30 second walk. But if you have to walk out of the house, it's cold. You have to put your coat on. It's harder to warm up. You won't do it as much. I promise you that this works. So keep it really convenient in that location. And then lastly is the conflicts. So try and program in so that you don't put it into times of the day where you think conflict will occur. So if you have a really busy, complicated home life, your flat is filled with loads of other flatmates or you've got a busy, bustling family, it's probably not best to plan in your training around the time of day when everyone's at home and they're going to ask and demand for your time as well and cause distraction. So plan for conflicts in your schedule so it's more realistic that you can actually find that convenience. The next point is all about routines. And I hate routines. I probably sound like I'm like this guy that always trains, sticks to a really rigid routine with my training, but it's not true at all. What I do is I do plan for stuff and I try and have a routine which is somewhat frequent because I know that I can eventually trick myself into a habit through frequency. So if you can create some kind of routine and the time of the day or a location that you always go through in your week, then you can start to develop a habit once you get that frequency. So that's a really important thing as well. Lastly is point three is prioritizing the training into the right part of your life. So all the, all your day. What I mean by this is don't put, or at least for most people, don't put your training right into the end of the day when you're really tired, you're lacking energy and you can't put the quality into your session. You're just not going to see one, the results that you might hope out of the sessions. And two is you're more likely to go, oh, you know what? I'm pretty tired. I'm just not going to get my session done today. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And then you start to stack those sessions up and then days go by where you keep avoiding the sessions or not doing the sessions because you're putting it into the hardest part of the day. You're not prioritizing it. It's hard to train. It requires effort. It requires a lot of discipline. Make sure you prioritize it where you have the energy and you have the focus so that you can complete it. Okay, last section, number three. And that's all about tracking and monitoring your progress. First up, and we've got four points here. 
First up is keeping it simple. So if you're going to monitor or track your progress with your training, try not to track too many items. I really wouldn't like to see any of you creating a spreadsheet or having a logbook on paper that had 15 different things that you're always trying to get data for and tracking throughout your year. It's just not practical, or at least for not, not for most people. There are some people who are incredible at this kind of stuff, but they're really, really rare. And I would say like 0.01%. Try and go for less than five things to track. For me personally, that's max finger strength, max pull-up score, number of press-ups that I can do, and also how long I can hold a hollow body hold. They're really simple. Yeah, they're not perfect. Yes, they don't have the perfect correlation with climbing performance, but they're really easy to collect data on. They keep me focused. And there's something which has some relative transfer, or not transfer, but correlation back into my climbing performance. And undoubtedly, those scores will look worse in peak season because I'm not doing so much conditioning work, but I know which ones have the greatest relation back into my climbing performance. And that, of course, is finger strength. So I go for less than five, and I think that's a really good place to start. The other thing is to be quite consistent with your data recording. It's that thing about getting into a habit. If you just record data once every three months or every six months, it's really hard to one, use it well and effectively within your training programs and see how you're progressing and whether you are progressing. And two, it's just hard to get into a habit and then you can quickly fall out of it and then you're not doing any tracking, which we know isn't quite as good as that ideal scenario. The second point is putting your tracking or your logbook or your spreadsheet in a place where you're going to see it. And what I mean by this is putting it on your desktop of your computer with a big arrow pointing towards it. Highlight it with your desktop screensaver so that it can be seen really easily. Have it on a logbook that's next to your table. I even had it on an A4 sheet that I had on the back of the toilet door in my house so that every morning I would see it when I was in the bathroom because I would close the door and go, oh, there's my results. And it would remind me of what I needed to do that day. So put it in a really visible place. Otherwise, you won't use it. The next is that you should retest if you do any monitoring of data or collecting data and you get super weird results, especially if your frequency of testing isn't that high. Weird things happen when you're testing. Some days, just you're not feeling it. And I can have finger strength scores that are 10, 15% off my normals on some random days. So I come back three days later, five days later, and repeat the tests again, and just check that nothing strange is going on. Because this can really knock your results off, or at least give you an idea of where your trend is going if your data collection isn't super frequent. And then lastly, and this is an important one, is I want you to remind yourself that tracking and monitoring is just information and a feedback system. That's all it is. It's not telling you that you're a great climber or a terrible climber. Try to keep the emotion out of it and just see it as pure 
hard, cold data, which informs what you're going to do with your training plan going forward. And of course, informing how you've done so far. So those are the three areas, keeping it fun, how you deal with those life realities and tracking slash monitoring. I hope you found that useful. I'd like it if you could check in with this podcast every now and again and just have a bit of a reminder on these important points. If you can nail all of these, I think you're going to set yourself up for a really productive training process all the way through the year. I do pretty much all of these, if not all of all of them, every single one. And I think that leads to success in being consistent with your training and staying motivated, enjoying the process, and of course, seeing the results. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we will see you again very soon.